0: Want to know about transformational value in IoT and predictive analytics? Remember to check out episode 40 with Scott from Transvoyant. It's another amazing day here in the TubeApe studio and we are joined by Guy Cortin from GT Nexus, an in-for company, talking with us about end-to-end visibility, retail aspirations are high, is the supply chain foundation enough? Guy has over 15 years' experience in in the technology space and specifically in the supply chain space. With Infor Retail, Guy is responsible for developing and leading thought leadership in the industry and solution team. Prior to Infor, Guy held numerous senior positions. Most recently, he was a vice president and principal analyst at the Constellation Research covering how digital disruption was impacting supply chains. He published numerous reports and blog posts on the space, as well as speaking at numerous industry events. Prior to that role, Guy was the Vice President of Research for SEM World, where he spearheaded the coverage of supply chain service providers. He has been quoted and interviewed in media outlets such as Le Figaro, The BBC, American Shipper, Supply Chain Brain, Logistics Week, Supply Chain Magazine, European Supply Chain Management and Supply Chain Management Review. He has also spoken at numerous industry events as well as lectured at graduate schools such as Babson College and University of New Hampshire. Welcome, Guy. Thank you for being on the show today.
1: Well, thank you, Sarah, for that lovely introduction. I didn't realize I had such a uh, long and uh, inglorious background.
0: Oh, it's great. It's great. I love it. So let's get started. Why don't, you, why don't we get started with you telling us why is winning in retail difficult today?
1: You know, Sarah, I think that winning in retail today is difficult. And I think we, we all sort of know at some level why. And, and that name is Amazon or, or in Asia, Alibaba. Um, but I think if we peel the onion back a little bit more and we figure out that the real challenge of winning in retail is more... Not because of companies like Amazon and Alibaba, what they've done is because, in a way, it's what they've they've the the need they fulfilled, which is really the fact that we, so all of us here sitting on this podcast and all the listeners and everybody out there, we as consumers have really tilted the balance in retail, and we've made retail become a much more um, challenging game uh, for traditional retailers to win at. And why is that? Well, if you think about us as consumers, you think about what's evolved in the past 10, 15, 20 years. You know, first of all, we, we've all of a sudden gotten a voice in retail, which is, uh, you know, through social media, whether it's uh, putting stuff up on, on, on Facebook or Instagram or tweeting things out there, but really also things like reviews, right? Reviews online, which are a public domain. We always have a reach now. You know, we have this thing called mobile phones that we carry in our pockets 24-7, right? We, we have a device that has more power than NASA has to put man on the moon that we have instant contact with and can reach out to the world through. And we have expectations, right? Have this, this thing called the internet that came out, you know, late 90s has created an environment where as consumers, we no longer accept a limited choice based on geography, Right? We assume or we expect that we can almost get anything we want from anywhere in the world. Through our phones, through our computers, through our tablets, through our smart watches. Um, and if we don't like it, we're going to express our, our feelings in a social environment and we expect people to take heed of that. So I think that's what's making this, this challenging retail, is that it's become this, this power shift, if you will, where as consumers we have tremendous amount of power we have tremendous amount of ability to, to walk from one brand to another. And you know, the retailers who don't uh, give us those or fulfill those needs will end up losing in the long run. I think that's the real challenging part. And, and the acceleration, if you will, of those changes is only continuing. Um, and I think we as consumers are only getting more and more power. We're only getting or we're only developing even more expectations. And those are only becoming faster, right? I mean, just, just think about this, right? If, if five years ago I told you you could order something at, at, you know, eight in the morning and have it delivered to your house after, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon, you'd say, well, that's that'd probably pay through the nose and it's crazy talk. Uh, now that's becoming more and more the reality. So, you know, just look at things like like that last mile delivery, last mile fulfillment, um, how that's changing and how much pressure it's putting on on retailers to uh, to not just win and survive, but to, uh, thrive this environment.
2: So, gee, what are retailer retailers' essential priorities and goals?
1: You know, I think it's a, it's, it's a question, I think, that all retailers need to think of related to the, to the, to the last comment, which is, you know, the essential priority goal has to always come back to the consumer, right? It always has to come back to we, the consumer. What, our, what are our needs and our desires? And I think if you look at some of the studies that are out there and some of the things that we're seeing as well is, you know, some of the priorities and goals right now is, is we as consumers expect much more of an experience. So I heard someone actually earlier today actually say this, so I, I wish I could steal the quote, but, but I wish I could take the quote as my own, but I, I'm, I'm stealing it, which is, consumers are now buying experiences first and products second i think that's absolutely right and, yeah. and experience means a whole host of things and it means things different to different consumers so i don't mean to say every experience has to be like disneyland um experience could be in things such as fulfillment it could be such things as price it could be in such things as services uh it could be in such things as um, uh, the experience of or the order uh, if you look at some retailers you know in north america like tj maxx and marshall's who are actually doing very well when it comes to brick and mortar Because the experience they give the consumer is this experience of the hunt, right? I'm looking for a bargain. I'm looking for that piece of clothing or that that accessory that I didn't really think I needed, but because I was able to to hunt and do bargain shopping and to find it and to feel good about finding it at a good price, that is part of the experience. So these retailers have to start figuring out for their own specific consumer what is the experience they need to provide. To, to provide and therefore what are those priorities that need to put in place to meet those goals and i think that's the the challenge is because unlike retail 30 years ago where it was sort of very i don't want to say simple it was never really simple but where you could have sort of big box retailers you could have some specialty retailers out there and you just kind of you know if as a child i remember hey you you wanted toys you go to uh you know they go to toys toys r us if you wanted uh um, you know clothing you, you went to a big clothing store or a big service and, and you know there was always Sears out there. Where you do a bunch of different products at, You know aggregated in one space and, and that was it and the experience is basically like well I hope I can just find the product here and I hope no one yells at me for asking questions um, How much has changed since then? So from a retail perspective, I think each individual retailer has to really under, identify their specific consumer what the experiences they need and therefore that sort of defines the goal and then look at where the priorities are. So if you're, like i mentioned, a TJ Maxx, I think your goal is obviously you provide this experience for your consumer of finding a good bargain, finding good product, um, being always sort of on the hunt sort of speak sort of for a product. You look at companies like Zara, in a way it's the same thing, but now it's fast fashion, so their goal is to constantly keep the customer engaged with what's coming out. So. My priority there is to have you know, very tight skew count, very rapid introduction of product, very keen on, on how quick demand is gonna change and be able to, to adapt to that. Uh, look at other companies like like Restoration Hardware or, or large furniture stores, right? Their goal is to provide the consumer potential the experience of a true showroom. So if I'm looking for a new uh, dining room set, just looking at it in a catalog is one thing or online, but maybe my my goal as a restoration artist for you to come into the store to see it, you know, positioned or to see it staged in a certain way, where as a consumer it elicits a certain feeling. I say, yeah, I can see that in my living room or my dining room, or my bedroom or wherever that may be, um, and therefore that's you know that is your priority to turn some of your physical assets to become much more of a showroom, and then you fulfill some of the orders from the back end through distribution centers and things like that. So I think we're really starting to see you know a specific. Retail have to focus on their their consumer, right? Segment their consumer, understand what experience they want, make that your goal, and then find, you know, figure out your priorities behind that because it's not going to be the same for everybody. There's different ways to tackle this. There's different ways to approach this. So without sort of that end goal in mind, you know, we might sort of just drift off into the into the uh, into the ether.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it's going to differentiate yourself in the market, and that's one of the toughest things I think right now is. Facing some of those retail, or facing the retailers right now, is you know what is going to differentiate us? What is that goal going to be? How are we, how are we going to focus on the customer and the experience that we give them? So, then are there capabilities that exist to build and support those goals that you just spoke about?
1: Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a whole host of the capabilities. I, I think that's the exciting part um, that I see Sarah out there is that I mentioned the fact that we as consumers through Digitization and through digital and through mobile and all these these great uh, changes have have changed you know shifted the, the power structure if you will. But the flip side of that, a lot of these technologies are actually allowing retailers to compete, allowing retailers to maybe adopt new ways of doing business to meet these demands. So I think a lot of these capabilities are out there, and I think it 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 depends. And you know, there's a whole host, obviously. You know, I'm speaking from a vendor's perspective. I mean, we, we look at you know we have a whole host of solutions, but obviously, there's a tremendous amount of offerings out there from a, a variety of, of rich and, and and you know talented types of, of vendors out there and service providers. So, you know, not not the time to sort of go through that longer list because there's so much. But I think what's exciting in terms of capabilities is if you look at some of the basic technological advances that we're leaning on moving forward. I think those are empowering a lot of the capabilities, right? The cloud being one of them. I know it's some of your audience might roll their eyes when they hear it when they when they hear this, but it's true, you know, the cloud has definitely changed not not just the, the things like total cost of ownership or things like that, but really the cloud has empowered or changed business processes that are able to now provide these capabilities that these retailers need to, to meet these goals, right? Things things like creating more of a network effect, things like um, being able to rapidly adopt technology or use it and then turn it off if it's not working. Uh, Things like that I think are very exciting. I do think things around the the evolution of mobile technology, right, just adding new capabilities to be more customer-centric. Everything from mobile technology within the store of how you can empower your employees to be more responsive to customers, uh, through your logistics through your supply chain whether it's you know being more mobile in terms of tracking and tracing your inventory through things like Internet you know, of things uh, being able to tie in your warehouse and, and you know even bring mobility to the warehouse floor to the manufacturing floor uh, I think these are some capabilities that sprinkled throughout your supply chain are allowing you or allowing retailers uh, to better support and to meet these goals and again it's one of those things right it's not not everything to run out there and, and and figure out what IoT strategy to use, or, or you know, put mobile tablets in everybody's hands on the store floor, or where you know, put put virtual reality glasses on everybody in their distribution center. Um, it, it's, it's again, it, it's just like in the prior response. We talk about your goals depend upon your specific consumer. These capabilities are out there. There's a lot of them out there. A lot of great technologies, but you got to figure out which are the ones you need. For your goals, for your efforts, where the supply chain does it make most sense to invest in companies? Because let's face it, no one out there can invest in every single one, mm-hmm. and no one out there should, um, and no one out there will be able to get the true ROI they need to do so. So it is a matter of prioritization. Figuring out what are the capabilities that are out there, where are there, you know, rich services that we can leverage to meet some of these goals, and, and really, where, you know, cliché, but where's the biggest bang for the buck um, is you know, pulling IoT into my supply chain because then I can figure out better ETAs, so therefore I can fulfill my customer needs better. Is that, is that more important than um, empowering my labor in the store with uh, smart devices so they can navigate customers through the buying journey faster? You know, those are all answers that are that are, that, that need to be asked um, and need to be prioritized by the retailers. But the, the positive side is that I think there's a lot of uh, really rich information. I mean, sorry rich technology out there to fulfill it to, uh, to provide these
2: capabilities. So, Guy, could you explain to us what end-to-end visibility is?
1: You know, Nick, that's the uh, $10 million question, or maybe it's a bigger number of value than that. But yeah, you know, end-to-end visibility, is funny, it's one of those, visibility of all those terms, I think that it gets thrown around way too much, and um, it, it's, it's, you know, maybe this is on PC, but, you know, there's a famous... Quote uh, from a Supreme Court Justice about pornography, and they say, what's pornography?" And they say, "Well, I know when I see it." Um, I think visibility is kind of falling into that by <laughs> Well, I, you know, I know when I see it. Why is that? I think it's because, you know, I think we we ask you ask ten people what it means to them, and you'll get you know twelve different answers. Yeah. yeah. And that's okay. You know, from my standpoint, I think visibility. If we were to have sort of a magic wand and to wave it over our supply chains and provide true end-to-end visibility. To me, the basic definition would be just to be able to know at any point in time, to be able to look at any part of your supply chain and to understand all the business ramifications that anything is going on in your supply chain, how it's going to impact your consumer, how it's going to impact your business, how it's going to impact your suppliers, how it's going to impact your your transportation and your logistics and your warehousing. Um, You know, all those things are are part of visibility now that's sort of a very hundred thousand foot level view of visibility i think it's you know it's, it's one of those things that we always chase it and i don't even know if, like i said if we get 12 different answers from 10 people i don't know if we actually got to it people would be like oh yeah it's visibility so i think it's, it's one of those things uh that each one again it's just sort of maybe a cop-out answer but um, each retailer each supply chain needs to define what is visibility for them? What does it mean? Does it mean simply knowing when my shipments arrive my customer? Does it mean knowing every state, every point of the transit where my supply is? Does it mean having visibility to my customers' feelings, demands, wants, things like that? I mean you think about you know the cases that people always point out as well, you know, why can FedEx and UPS and DHL tell me where my package is? Throughout the process that's visibility and I say well that's visibility but those are just stages right I don't actually have visibility to knowing hey my package just went down you know 7th Avenue and across 20th Street uh, that is you know maybe that's more visibility maybe you're just giving me a snapshot of where stuff is so I think it's it's, um, it's one of the elusive topics that we throw around way too much I think as a vendor, we're guilty of that. I think as a, as a former analyst, I'm guilty of having done that as an analyst. I think users are guilty of not clearly defining what it means to them. I think that we need to, again, maybe it's a cop out, but I think there's no one definition that fits all. I think people have to be comfortable with what it is they perceive as visibility for their business needs and then strive to achieve that.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that. Plus, I also don't don't believe that everybody knows what's out there to be able to help them with that visibility so you know my next question for you then are what are the four key elements of end-to-end visibility as you guys see it you know what are the needs maybe the problems and what are the impacts of these four four elements on that visibility aspect yeah
1: the the four elements the way i define the way i look at it is and, and and it's it's Sort of key components of visibility, and I think one is, you know, just getting connected systems. I think one of the one of the core issues we always have with gaining better insights and visibility is that, you know, we're, we're, we I mean we retailers and supply chains are made up of a spaghetti of systems, and they're not always interoperable. We even know you know you might buy the same systems from one particular vendor and there's, there's all kinds of different versions of that supply of that that software and they do not talk to each other so that's the first one i think is this, this notion of getting greater connectivity of your systems, getting better interoperability you know it's something i think that on the surface we would think would be easy to do but we all know it's not um, I think that's one i think another key element is the speed of that information the speed of the data uh, you know, I talked to a large retailer in a prior life um, in the Midwest that, um, you know, told me they had great, I'm using their terms here, they had great visibility into what was happening in the supply chain. The only problem was, they would get this information, you know, all of the week late. So, like, well, what does that do me any good, right? The speed is important, right? The speed to get this information and get the data into the hands of the right people they make decisions, which leads... So I think another element, which is the actionability of that data, right? The ability to, if you have this ability to some of the things that are going on in supply chain, you need to be able to take that data and transform it to something. You know, I use the analogy of people always, I've heard this a lot, right? People say, well, data is a new oil. And I always say, well, that's great, but if I extract oil out of Saudi Arabia or out of the, you know, out of the Santars in Canada or things like that, that crude is nothing to me until I refine it, until I turn it to heating oil, you know, fuel for cars, you know, plastics, whatever it may go into as a final product. That raw material that I take out of the ground is not worth anything until it's refined, and it's the same thing with the visibility notion of data, right? This information that is floating around in your network is of no use until you transform it to something. And I think the final big element for me is. This notion of execution, right? What can I do with that? How fast can I react to it? Um, you know, it's one thing that's you know, it's you know, bad analogy, but it's one thing to tell you, you know, hey, uh, and there's there's it's funny there's there's ads here in the United States with this where you know there's a there's a bank robbery going on and, and someone said, well, yeah, there's a bank robbery and the the, the bank you know police officer like, yep, there's a bank robbery. I'm like, well, do something. He's like, no, I just tell you something's going on. I can't do anything about it. Um, <laughs> You know, I think it's a great analogy. Hey, yeah, something's going on. Okay, can you do something about it? If you can't, you know, yeah, it's good to know that that your house is on fire. But I'd like to be able to get the fire, you know, fire firefighters there. Um, so I think there's there's this there's this element of it's almost you know it's almost a closed loop, right? Where I can actually do something, I can take the information, I can do something, and monitor how that goes, and, and constantly understand. So this notion of this visibility notion, right? This ability to have my system integrate so I can pull the data from everything. To be able to then have the data come to me in terms of a visibility notion at a, not, I don't want to say real time, because I think real time is something that, again, means a lot of different things than for people. I think it's more in your business time, right? So it's what's the speed at which you need to ingest this data to do something with it? How do you then transform that data to something that's actionable? How do you transform that oil? into heating fuel. And then finally, how do you take action, right? How do you actually act on this? And you have the systems in place to basically ensure that when you see you see the bank robbery, you can dispatch the police or when there's a fire, you can put it out. Um, right, those are the things that the key elements I think that that you need. And you know they all play among they all intertwine. I think you need them all in order to, to truly begin to achieve and visibility is to sort of achieve what it means for you as a retailer or a supply chain. What does this mean? How do you act on it? How do you leverage it? How do you make, you know, how do you make this useful to your business?
0: Absolutely. Now, a lot of times when you know we're talking about technology, we're also t- because it's a big, you know, cost component, you know, we're also talking about ROI. So what are some of the aspects of visibility that retailers are seeing big changes in ROI?
1: I think some of the big changes, you know, if you think about some of the retailers out there, you know, from, from our standpoint, Sarah, that are, that are seeing ROI, it's sort of you look at sort of two big changes, right? Incremental change and transformational change. I think transformational change are things that, that we all aspire to, right? I, I kind of joke, have joking about these. These are the rainbows and unicorns of supply chain, right? These, <laughs> these great things, right, that we'll be able to do one day, which I still think we should all strive for. But that aren't going to get you an ROI tomorrow. The, the, the incremental changes, I think, are where you see ROI. So some of the things we're seeing with retailers, when it comes to this, is, is things like more dynamic, you know, ETAs, right? So knowing more precisely when products will arrive at different touch points in your supply chain. Um, how much more granular you can get with that, whether it's through using, you know, things like RFID or, or the Internet of Things. Um, how do we use a network to then pull that information in a more business time fashion to then be able to provide the exception management, so the the alerts, if you will, of when things are going to be out of you know out of whack. If, and, and, you know the analogy, which is great, is is it's one thing if I get on an airplane, I'm sitting down and the captain comes on and says, oh I'm sorry, the plane's broken, uh, we're not going anywhere. Uh, I'd rather you tell me that two hours, three hours, four hours, a day before, so that I can adjust my plan. And, and I think retailers were able to start to do these things are, are able to be much more flexible in their response time. So for example, you know, one of the things we're seeing in terms of ROI is uh, you know, we all know about what happened last year with Hanjin and when they went out, went out of business and all of a sudden you had you know, a tremendous amount of inventory sitting, literally sitting in, in, on ships in yeah. the ocean who weren't able to dock and off, offload their inventory. Um, we had a large retailer, a French retailer who I can't name, but a large French retailer who basically thought that they had no exposure to Hanjin because they weren't using them for logistics and, and you know, we were able to look into our network into our system and we were able to quickly identify that no no you had outsourced some of this fulfillment capacity to someone who then outsourced it themselves and oh by the way you had exposure to Hanjin, you had X amount of containers on Hanjin ship. So what that does in terms of that ROI is all of a sudden, because they had that visibility, they could then react, they could react faster or react before the problem really crept up. Their ROI was very quick to be recognized where they could be able to say, hey, you know, we were able to then restock the shelves of the stores where that inventory was destined to before we got the alert that, hey, we're having a stockout issue because those shipments didn't get in on time. We were able to stock those, you know, shelves appropriately. And oh, by the way, when that merchandise finally did get to port, we were able to have better visibility into that, better timing, and then be able to allocate that inventory uh, more intelligently than if all of a sudden we get a phone call saying, hey, you've got, you know, five containers just got to the port. What do you want to do with them? So for them, the ROI was very simple, not say simple, but very quick to realize where it was this ability just to gain, you know, a few hours, days, sometimes weeks of, of better visibility to the ETA of product, whether it was because of a thing like a 100 strike or because of simple things, right? You know, we, we've seen things, you know, here on the East Coast last year, there was a, there was a fire at a warehouse of a large retailer and it, and it you know, directly impacted their, their quarterly earnings or their quarterly revenue numbers. Um, you know, a fire does not get headlines everywhere. Those things happen all the time. But having that visibility, having that insight being able to use that to then know things like better ETAs, things like that, that's where the ROI is seen today. Uh, I think we're seeing other places where the ROI is being seen, and it's a little bit harder to quantify, I think, but people are starting to get a sense, which is, uh, you know, how to use some of this technology within the stores, right? How do I better uh, have visibility into simple things like what are customers bringing to, to changing rooms and not converting on? Um, you know, sort of applying an online practice with a band of shopping carts to the store. So, there's some aspects of that as well uh, where the ROIs can be seen. But I think a lot of the ROI right now that, that we're seeing retail is this incremental stuff. So, stuff that you're going to do already, stuff you're already measuring and trying to figure out how to maximize the investment. And now, with greater visibility and greater use of whether it's IoT, RFID, tying it more to the network. Um, these tools that give you greater insights and visibility, you can now do what you're already doing, do it better. Do it more efficiently, do it more cost-effective, do it smarter. That ROI is coming in those areas. I think what's exciting is that you know, in the next few years and even this year, you know, we're going to start seeing even more, I think, transformational events happening where you're going to see a, 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 a quantum leap in ROI, if I dare say so. Uh, but my sense is that we're going to start you know started to see some of these things uh, happen more and more where people are just going to you know transform business models I think one of the ones that that's transformational in, in a way is, is you look at like Domino's pizza right what they've done in terms of you know they they basically used to or they still do right they sell pizza and their big thing is we get it to you in 30 minutes or less now is a big thing, but now by being transformational, by leveraging technology, leveraging digital, being more attuned to the customer, having more visibility into how they're going to, you know, service the customer. Um, their ROI is being seen, and how they're dom or being much more well looked upon in the space, uh, and how they're almost leapfrogging some of their competition uh, with what they're doing. So that's really transformational. That's that's a you know a big ROI there, where they're completely shifting their business. And I would I would I would argue you could ask Domino's: Are they still a pizza delivery company, or are they now a data company? And I would say they're—they're they're getting, or they are, a data company.
0: Absolutely, yeah. No, those are really great examples. So, then, what is a three-point plan that can help speed up the process of implementing end-to-end visibility?
1: Well, three-point plan. Well, it's probably about nine points, but I think you know three of the big buckets. Um, I think first and foremost it's, it's to do an audit, right? You you got to do an audit of, of what is it you need, right? What why what type of information do you need to gain greater visibility? You know, I, I saw a statistic somewhere. I think it was in Forbes magazine that um, less than one percent, I think, of the accessible data for retailers is being used today. So you know, when we think about visibility, a lot of people sort of gravitate to, well, I need more. Data points. I need more technology. I need more, you know, bank stuff. When the reality is, if you did an audit, you'd realize, hey, I already have a tremendous amount of information at my fingertips. How can I make better use of it? Now, does that mean you're going to start using 100% of your data? No. That what that should mean is that you're going to identify, you know, through an audit, well, where where are the data? Where is it that I'm very strong with this information to give me greater visibility? Where am I lacking? Where do I need to do more things or where do I need to uncover more information? Where can I sort of ease back and say, I already have enough data? I think that's one, right? So do an audit. Figure out what is the information you need, what is the information you have, and what is the information that's accessible to you. I think then it's to understand, like, like all these things, right? Understand what's the end goal, right? What, and, and the end goal is always shifting. It's always evolving. So I don't mean to say there's a, there's a final state out there. But I think it's something where, as a retailer, you can just figure out, you know what are what are my goals that I'm looking to achieve and what information do I need to make that goal happen in terms of visibility right and am I looking for greater visibility into my storefronts am I looking for greater visibility into my demand my demand aspects am I looking for greater visibility into my inventory movement am I looking for greater visibility to my competitors um, into you know how my promotions create lifts or not you know all kinds of things I can start figuring out and understanding what is my end goal. right? Is, is, is my, my end goal should I always be the retail get to satisfy the consumer, to meet the new consumer needs, but what are the, the priority of goals I can achieve and, and how do I go about doing that? And that the last one or the third point is, and it sounds simple, but I think it's hard at times, is to act. What I mean by that is you know, this whole notion of going out there and Trying or going out there and experimenting, if you will, uh, to gain greater visibility or to gain greater actionability. I think there's there's you are no longer afforded the time to sit back and map out a five year plan and start rolling out slowly and, and doing some beta testing here and there. We there's no time for that anymore, unfortunately. Right? We're moving too quickly, and, and part of that is because again, we as consumers are now expecting things to happen yesterday. And that's only going to continue to pressure the, the retailers and the supply chain. So act, You know, figure out, do I have enough visibility to something to try something new? Do it. I don't, I might not have 100% of the visibility I want in this particular aspect. I have enough to feel comfortable that I'm going to try something different. I'm going to try a new delivery model. I'm going to try a new service model. I'm going to try a new product. I'm going to scale back on certain SKUs. I'm going to change my store configuration. Um, I'm gonna fulfill out of DC more than out of the store. I'm gonna turn a store into, you know, half fulfillment center, half showroom, um, right? A whole host of things that uh, having this knowledge of data will allow me to do. I think, you know, acting is a huge component of this. It's, you know, all this, all this gathering of information, bringing visibility, understanding what's happening is fantastic, but none of it means anything until we start acting. or retail start, for lack of a term, taking risks, right? Taking chances. Uh, being bold in certain areas and not being afraid to fail right not being afraid to go out there and do something and all of a sudden say yeah that didn't really work but we learned from it so let's try something different because the reality is if you're not doing it someone else is going to
2: do it gee i guess the last question would be where do you see supply chain in the next five to ten years and what changes do you foresee and do you think drones will eventually make my day and be a dream come true
1: I think drones, Nick, will make your day uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, and I, I, I actually mean that in all seriousness. I think drones and robotics uh, are absolutely going to become a much bigger play in supply chain a lot sooner than we think. And I think it's going to be kind of scary, but also kind of really cool. Um, I'm certainly looking forward to a drone you know, delivering me uh, uh, my latest version of uh,
2: Call of Duty. And that would be launch. even better. <laughs> I actually using the controller that we play Call of Duty on, and actually bringing the drone. Yeah, <laughs> that well,
1: I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I think you know the next five ten years. I, I look at it this way. I think the, the the challenges are all good from the standpoint of maybe if I get on my little soapbox here. Like I think supply chain in the next five ten years will only become more elevated in terms of their importance for retail and other industries. I think we're starting to see that array today. I think that supply chain in next five ten years is going to be seen much more, if it's not already, as a strategic aspect of a business as opposed to a cost center and somewhere I can squeeze out more cost. Instead of squeezing out more cost, I'm going to ask my supply chain, Hey, how can you, you know, satisfy Nick's need of having uh, the new controller for uh, you know the PS7 delivered to him, uh, and maybe he can do it by controlling it through his own you know controller on his PS6 or whatever. Um, right, so these are the things I think that we're we're looking for in the supply chain in the next five to ten years. Now, the biggest challenge again is, is is, no surprise, is again we the consumer, and I think the challenge is only growing where we as consumers. That example I just gave, I don't think it's that far from that far fetched. What I mean by that is that we as consumers are going to expect even more from our supply chains in terms of mass customization at scale, meaning. If you know, if Nick, Sarah, and G all want, uh, you know, a, 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 let's say a, a bottle of shampoo, we're all going to want it in our own different way. I'm going to want a little bit more lavender in it, maybe, and some, you know, I don't know, some uh, some sheening factor, or what have you. Uh, Sarah's going in a in a 12 ounce bottle. I'm going to want a 16 ounce bottle. Nick's going in a four ounce bottle. And guess what? That that supply chain will have to be able to meet those demands. Right. In, in a time that we all accept it to. So maybe, you know, maybe Sarah doesn't need it for another week, maybe I want it today, and not only do I want it today, but I want you to deliver it to me at the hotel we'll be staying at in Toronto tomorrow, right? right? And Nick's gonna to want to deliver it to his house, but only between the hours of 2 and 2.45, because at 2.45, uh, the neighbor's dog comes over, is gonna chew it up, whatever. Right, So all of a sudden the supply chain now is our supply chains are going to have to be constantly keeping up with us as consumers because I believe we've only scratched the surface in terms of the pressures we're putting on brands and retailers to fulfill our needs. Look at customization, right? The the other example I have is you think about how we want things more and more customized. If you look at, you know, like cars, for example, I read somewhere where if, if you took the BMW 3 Series, took their, their plants in Europe that built those cars. If you ran those plants for three straight months, three straight shifts every day, seven days a week, you would never build the same car twice. Hmm. So you think about what that means. We are expecting so much customization that, in a way, I think there's gonna be a tipping point where we're gonna to have too much choice and we're gonna, you know, the whole paradox of choice stuff. We're gonna, like, whoa, I can't decide anymore, just give me vanilla or chocolate, that's it. But our supply chains are gonna have to be able to react to a consumer that expects products at the speed that that he or she wants it at, that expects it in the configuration that he or she desires it, and with packaging and with a whole host of other aspects of it that are gonna add this massive layer of complexity of supply chain. And I haven't even touched upon the whole notion of the return side of supply chain, where I think our, as a consumer, we are becoming trained more and more to expect that we purchase product, that if we don't want it, we can return it. Whether it's in 30 days, 60 days, or 60 years, that's maybe pushing it too far. But I do believe, you know, look at Zappos, right? Zappos has trained us to believe, hey, if I want a pair of Adidas running shoes, I should be able to get two different styles in four different colors and three different sizes shipped to my house for free where I will be able to figure out which one I like, when I feel like it, and return the rest back to you. Yeah. So not only are we seeing this mass customization like with BMW and other products, we're seeing it in the delivery mechanism, we're seeing it in the way we interact with brands and, and products, and now that supply, chain, that supply chain better be robust enough to keep up with all these changes and trust, and I believe they're only gonna become more complex because again, it goes back to us as consumers. We no longer accept the way it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and heaven forbid what's gonna happen with the next generation, the generation after that, what they expect from the supply chain. And that's why I think supply chains, you know, the next five, 10 years, will only elevate in terms of their importance for retail and for other businesses, right? Manufacturing, retail, automotive, pharmaceuticals, uh, you name it, and that's where I think supply chains are going. So it's, it's a great time for supply chains, because I think they're important as a, as a competitive advantage tool is going to only grow. It's also a massive challenge, because now they're going to be expected to meet our demand, and that is not going to be easy, because we don't even know where our demands are going. But they're going somewhere.
0: Absolutely. And it's just getting faster. And like you said, everybody wants customized and and delivery to your door same day without any extra charges and for free. So if anyone is looking for more information on the subject, Guy's team has provided our listeners with a free white paper. So make sure to check it out on our website at twobabestalksupplychain.com. And if you want more information on GT Nexus, we will have all the details under episode 41 or visit them at gtnexus.com. Thank you so much, Guy. That was a wonderful, wonderful show. You've given us so much information and things to think about.
1: Well, Sarah and Nick, I appreciate it, and
0: thanks for
2: having me on. Awesome. Such a great episode. Thanks to Guy from GT Nexus for taking us on his journey through end-to-end visibility. Stay tuned next week as we get personal into the digital age with Alex, Director of Disruptive... Solutions from Geodes. This episode wouldn't be possible without you, our very own listeners. Remember to rate us or write us a review on iTunes. We couldn't do any of this without our fabulous producer, Daniel Smith, and our supporters, IceCorp and Secureskit. Have a good one, and remember folks, ship happen.
0: Are you looking for short-term storage solutions? Do you have empty warehouse space you would like to fill? SecureSkids is your Airbnb for warehousing, connecting vacant warehouse space with companies that need space for their products. Visit them at SecureSkids.com for more information and to sign up for free.